All right, it is Wednesday night, 7.30. That means it is time for the 573 Report. I am Gabe DeArmond, PowerMizzou.com publisher. Appreciate you guys uh, starting to figure this out. There's uh, a few of you already online. Some of you have already done me the favor of hitting the like button on the show, which helps us in ways I still don't really understand, but I do appreciate you doing it. And uh, we've got Mitchell Forty on hold. We're going to bring him in in just a second, but I'm going to make sure I do this before we get started. Uh, do a couple things. First of all, uh, again, hit the like button, hit subscribe to our channel. Uh, you'll get notifications, everything we do, all that. But uh, beyond that, this show is sponsored by 573 Tees. It's a local company here in Columbia. Find them at 573tees.com. And what I'm going to do before I bring Mitch on, I just want to throw up a couple screenshots, uh, screenshots, show you guys what they have, uh, some of the stuff you guys can get, uh, Mizzou stuff, Chief stuff right there. Uh, they've got Royals gear. They've got Cardinals gear. They've got some Columbia stuff here, uh, Columbia, Missouri. So you guys check that out, 573tees.com. If you go to our site, powermizzou.com, you can go to the 573 report there. And you can go through the link in the story and get a 10% discount on your first purchase. So I hope you guys do that. Hope you will join us and uh, comment, questions, whatever you got throughout the show. And now uh, we are going to the Bob Douglas special of the evening. Mitchell Forty is joining us. Mitch, what's going on, man? Oh, not too much. Good to be back for another week. Yeah, we we keep on uh, keep on making it. This is like uh, I don't know week five. So uh, once we hit double digits, yeah. I feel like we're beyond the point of of being canceled. But since it's up yeah, to me, we're I gonna. Guess. I mean, we're we're uncatchable by the Missouri football team playing games. They fell behind last week. They can't catch us. <laughs> this is a good point. We might we might take a Wednesday off. Uh, hopefully not due to COVID, but you know. We'll uh, figure it out. So let's get this out of the way first. It's going to take like 20 seconds. LSU was 11 days ago. I'm kind of done talking about that. We did a show last week. Like, I understand Missouri fans are still high, but that's over. It's time to to go on to the rest of the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it, it was a big one. And as we said at the time, you know, even though afterwards you can kind of look back and say maybe it wasn't as surprising as it initially thought. There's, you don't take anything away. You know, you don't apologize coming out of that game. But that said, um, you know, it's it's been two weeks now. Um, there's going to be, you know, a lot more uh, good teams left on the schedule here in a 10-game SEC season. Um, and there's a lot of unknowns still with, uh, you know, with, with COVID and, and how that's going to impact the schedule. So there's plenty to talk about. Yeah, good for Josh Bledsoe, good for Connor Bazelak, uh, good for whoever else did well in that game. But uh, up next is... Hang on, I got to think about it for a few minutes. Kentucky this weekend because it That's was right. yeah. originally going to be Florida and then it was maybe going to be Vanderbilt and now it's Kentucky and this is kind of the new normal. Every I, I figure about six hours before we do this show every week, we're going to for sure have an idea who Missouri's playing on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, I think Wednesday, they've actually, Dan Mullins said, you know, last week, Wednesday seems to be kind of the cutoff. So usually by the time we hit the air, we should have an idea. And 
it has been kind of wild, you know, going into to every week, not knowing for sure, you know, when or where the game is going to be played or who's going to be, whom is going to be playing. Eli Drinkwood said he game planned for three different opponents at various points last weekend. But, uh, I mean, it, you know, that's just, it's kind of, you know, it comes with the territory of playing football in a pandemic. It's certainly better than the alternative, which is no football. Right. And uh, look, if we don't know who Missouri's playing, we're just going to get on here and make stuff up for an hour every week. I mean, you know, <laughs> that's what we do anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, the show prep is exhausting here. Um, we, we definitely put in, <laughs> put in a lot uh, to this. No, but in, in all seriousness, um, Kentucky, so I was stunned when I looked on Monday morning, and I guess I shouldn't have been surprised because I've seen the games. There are 10 teams in the SEC that have already lost two games. I mean, we're we're only four weeks in. Uh, this is I, – I don't know if it means the SEC is balanced or bad or both um, or this is just a season like we haven't seen, but – Missouri at one and two is realistically like one win out of being in second place in the SEC East. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, I, I think, you know, I kind of attribute it more just to, you know, us not being used to the scheduling format. You know, I mean, it's not unusual that, that you know, the majority of teams lose two SEC games over the course of the year. And normally we'd be, you know, about halfway through the SEC schedule right now with some teams having played three conference games, some places that teams haven't played four, most having played four. Um, so, you know, it's not like that would normally be out of the question, but usually, you know, you'd have a lot of teams get three or four wins first. Uh, so it doesn't look as jarring when they're, you know, six and two versus two and two. Um, but also, I mean, you know, th- this is kind of where the conference has been headed for a few years now. There's one or two teams that are a lot better than everyone else. And there's one, maybe two teams that are, you know, in most years that are a lot worse than everyone else. And then everyone in the middle can really beat each other depending on the day. Um, And and this year is, you know, maybe just the best example yet of that. I, I feel like the difference this year is the middle is usually like fifth through 10th. This year, the middle is mm-hmm. third through 12th, you know, um, yeah. and, and I, I mean, the middle is almost the entire league. And I do want to mention to you guys, uh, we've got a few questions here and please keep asking them. We are going to get to them. Absolutely. We like to let a few build up so we can kind of roll through those. Just just kind of give our thoughts off the top of our heads to start. Um, but yeah, the SEC, look, I, I said, I, I think on Monday, Tier one is Alabama. Tier one and a half is Georgia. And then some people want to put Florida and Texas A&M on a tier of their own. I'm, I'm not really ready to do that. I think tier two or three, whatever it is, is everyone else in the league. And then there's Vanderbilt because like, yeah, I, and look, that's not saying Missouri can't lose to Vanderbilt. They did last year. We get it, but this is a bad Vanderbilt team. I think they're kind of off in a, I mean, South Carolina beat them 41-7. LSU beat them 41-7. But legitimately, you've got Alabama, Georgia. You've got Vanderbilt. And then I think you've got everybody else. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, to your point about, you know, Florida and A&M, like Florida's looked fine at times, but certainly, you know, missing it's going to be at least two weeks of practice in the middle of the season does not help. Uh, that's going to be a challenge for them, you know, them playing seven seven. Seven weeks, seven games in seven weeks, if they, you know, are able to play in time to, to host Missouri when they're scheduled to on Halloween. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, uh, you know, we, we saw it this weekend. I mean, like, I don't know, it, it, did South Carolina upsetting Auburn shock you? Because like, it really wasn't a big 
surprised to be whereas you know in some past years maybe that would have been a little more surprising and it's like that you know with with like you said pretty much every team between Alabama Georgia and Vanderbilt where um it, it doesn't take a ton to see you know an upset and but also and also you just you kind of can't you know fans this is natural people love to do that you know the transitive property and say you know team x beat team y by 24 and then they be you know team z by 14 so they should crush you know whoever i don't know. i don't think that was i don't think i did that right but <laughs> you know it, it, that just doesn't work this season because teams are so evenly matched and there's so much unpredictability with who was available during the game who was available during practices how much time a team has had to gel like teams are going to get better as the season goes on you would hope so it, it's uh, it's it's pretty unpredictable which you know i think is fun yeah, um, you know, hey, you said South Carolina Auburn didn't surprise you. It surprised me. It didn't shock me, um, you know. But but it definitely was surprising. So we're getting some comments starting to roll in, and I want to start this show the same way we start the show every week with Bob Douglas complimenting <laughs> Mitchell Forty's presence on the show. Uh, Mitchell's voice gives Bob a reason to wake up every day, which. I mean, Bob, we're we're on week five. This is becoming a bit, and we do appreciate it. It's also like borderline call the Columbia Police Department at some point, but but we're not there yet. So please keep commenting. But it, we we just want to say that it could reach that point. I mean, you know, I I appreciate it. He is my biggest fan, and if I'm ever feeling down on myself, ever having a bad day, I just have to go back and look at his comments, and I just I get a big self esteem boost. So. You, it, like I mean, I, I'm gonna know you're feeling awful one day when I wake up, and your only tweet is at Bob Douglas, come on, you know, just like anything, at Bob <laughs> Douglas, give me something. That would be a bad sign. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, would, yeah, that so, would be time to be concerned. So this is the place to start. It's kind of the place to start because it's the place to start every week. Um, Bradley Heath asks, chances the Florida game is canceled. And the truth is, we don't know. I mean, it, Mitch, you and I both read the same story yesterday that said Florida has 25 positives. Well, they had 21 positives last week, so we don't know how many of those are positives that could impact the Missouri game, how many are guys that are, are going to be – I think I saw one tweet that said they've got 50 guys in quarantine, but we don't know how many of them are going to be out. But you were on the SEC coaches teleconference, and Dan Mullen said what? He said that as of now, the plan is for them to reopen their facility and resume practicing on Monday. Um, which, you know, if that happens, you would think would enable them to play against Missouri as long as they're above that 53-player threshold. Um, he said they did have a, another player test positive in their most recent round of testing, which was yesterday. Um, so that obviously is a little bit of a concern where, you know, you worry about the, the outbreak not being totally contained because if people, you know, continue to test positive, um, you know, at, at they're gathering back in the locker room and stuff like that you're just going to have more contact tracing issues um but uh he he said you know the plan right now they think they can start practicing on monday they won't have a full complement of players but they'll have enough and uh you know he was asked how much practice time do you need to play a game on october 31st and he basically said i don't know what it's not really in our control we'll figure it out so that indicated to me unless you know something happens to where you have kind of the outbreak continue or, or something along those lines that, that he, he, you know, plans to play uh, against Missouri on October 31st. 
Yeah, I want I want to interrupt to say that uh, Bob Douglas has competition. I am Case says Mitch for president. Look, we don't get political on this show, but it is possible I will vote for you two weeks from yesterday. You know? <laughs> I mean, there, there, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what my platform I, would be. I'll start thinking about that. I honestly, you don't need a platform. That's as political as we're <laughs> going to get on this show. Um, but uh, yeah, let's let's talk about football. So. Obviously, Florida, Missouri in question. I mean, I've heard Vandy Ole Miss in two weeks could be in question. The weird part about this is the teams that are being most impacted by this are Missouri, Kentucky by getting their schedule shifted around because now they no longer have a bye the week before they play Georgia and they play Georgia, Tennessee, and Florida, I think, in three times in four weeks if Florida can play, all that. So the teams that are actually impacted by this are not the teams that are, and I, I kind of don't want to say at fault because like these things happen. We all knew it was going to happen, but they're not the teams that are having the problems. Um, but I, I, I don't know about you. I feel like we've reached a point where, look, maybe not everybody's going to play 10 games. Maybe not every game's going to get in. Maybe not everything's going to be on time, but I, we're getting to the end of the season. I mean, we're going to have a postseason, and there are going to be teams in it because I think that's what we learned from baseball is, yeah, man, it's, it's going to get messed up, but we're going to find a way to get through this. Yeah, and I mean, that's what the attitude needed to be at the start in order to, to do this thing. You know, we said it many times if they were just going to shut everything down when all of a sudden, you know, every time a player tested positive or every time there was a game missed, it wasn't worth starting. All right, it appears... Really terrible happens oh. where you have... There you are. You you froze on me for a minute, but you're back. Okay, I'm back. Sorry about that. Uh, uh, where, where, where was I? Where did you last hear me? <laughs> uh, um, Every time a game got canceled and then it was just your still face for like five seconds. Oh, that's a bummer. But yeah, basically what I was saying was, you know, we said before the season that the if if every time a game got canceled um, that, that, that they tried to pull the plug it wasn't worth starting to begin with and so i feel the same way i did last week which is basically unless you know something terrible happens someone's hospitalized or, or, or dies um that the, the, they're gonna try to play the season now you do get start to get nervous about getting all 10 games in especially like if florida can't play on october 31st because then you're just kind of running out of time but um as of right now yeah i'd be very surprised if we don't get to the end of the season yeah, so, I mean, again, we'll see who they play, when they play, every week. But we are, at this point, relatively confident they're playing Kentucky on Saturday. And, and we're kind of going to focus on that. And so what we are going to do now is actually give you guys a chance to hear from, as far as I know, the only person to play on both sides of this game. Uh, we had a chance to talk to Missouri punter Grant McKinnis. And he's a graduate transfer, played his first four years at Kentucky, went 4-0 against Missouri. Now he's on the other side. Uh, you haven't seen him a ton because Missouri hasn't punted a ton. Uh, but want you guys to listen to the conversation with Grant McKinnis on Zoom with the local media yesterday. And then we'll come back and we'll hit up all your questions, all your comments, and get into everything in the second half of the show. Hey Grant, um, you know we know you've uh, you've got Kentucky here in in your past, and um, uh, you've been in some games against Missouri, including that crazy one a couple years ago. I, I was curious, first of all, what you remember from coming to Faroe, uh, 
and that game that came down to the wire a couple years ago and, and just ahead of this one, if you've gotten a chance to uh, talk to any former teammates who you're looking forward to seeing uh, things like that, you know, what, what's it like to get to play against the former team? Right. Well, to answer your first question, I do remember, what was it, I think 2018 here, just down in this end zone, the last second play. I've talked about it briefly with some of the teammates around here. They don't like that moment too much. So try to keep that on the down low. Um, but yeah, I'm ex definitely excited. It's definitely a game I've had circled on the schedule now that I guess it got moved up. It's still circled for me. Um, but I do still talk to a lot of those guys. You know, I lived with a lot of them, or I guess three of them. And then I talked to Max Duffy, their punter, quite often, probably about two or three times a week. So I have a really good relationship with those guys still. Uh, Peter Ball, The Athletic. Go ahead, Peter. Yeah, Grant, I was kind of wondering, what makes Max so effective at punting? And I guess how excited are you to go up against him? Um, Max does a great job. Um, he does a good job of just mixing it up with going across field. And then he's just really consistent. He can hit a nice, clean ball. Um, end under end, technically, is what it is. And he just has a really strong leg at doing that. And then I think their scheme is pretty good, just the way they go about it, like I said before, going across field and just keeping the returner honest. Eric Blum, Columbia Tribune. Go ahead, Eric. Hey, Grant, is any part of you, you know, it's going to be weird lining up against UK helmets in blue? Is it, or it, I know you came here for a reason, but is any part of you going to be like, wow, that's, I've, I've done that before. I've been in those uniforms. I think it is going to be kind of weird. Probably not. I mean, just looking across and be like, wow, I know literally everybody on that sideline. So, but I think once I'm out there and like, it's a, like I'm about to punt something, I'm not going to be thinking about that. But as in like, I'm not going to be thinking about, wow, well, I lived with Zach Johnson. I lived with Brett Slusher. Uh, and now I'm going against them. I'm not going to think that. I'm just going to think about my job and how I need to execute it. But I think it will be kind of weird. Just maybe when I'm on the sideline looking across at them on the other side. Uh, Colin O'Brien, Jeff City News for you. Go ahead, Colin. Hey, Grant. How you doing, man? Good. How are you? Not bad, thanks. Uh, this, this team hasn't punted a whole lot through three games. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that your job on the field isn't done if they're not punting. Just what – what do you uh, what do you like about how aggressive this offense can be, um, even if you're lineback there to punt, but you're not necessarily kicking the ball? Um, are you saying like can you ask that again? The, the team's only punted eight times, so you you right. haven't had a whole lot to do kicking, but you were also called on to do a, a fake and, right. and you went to the holder for for the PATs. Just what do yeah. you like about the, the offense that that it calls on you to do more than just punt? Well, I think it's when I'm only punting eight times and what, three games we have, we're scoring points. So that's always good. We're going to be moving the ball and being pretty effective on offense. And then just, I think the fake really just keeps the defense honest just to show that we're a little more versatile. Maybe I can throw the ball and we can do more than just give it to the other team. Do you have any quarterback in your background or is that just something you've had to pick up? As Somebody as asked me that the last time I threw a ball in the game was probably was eighth grade. I played eighth grade quarterback. And then my freshman through senior high school, I was, I was just a kicker and punter. So the last time I threw a pass in the game was eighth grade. Bennett Durando, go ahead, Bennett. Grant, Bear was just telling us that, that there was sort of a team meeting where, um, where Coach Drinkwitz sort of pointed out the fact that, that Missouri hasn't beaten Kentucky in, in five or six years. And, um, you know, the sort of raise your hand if you have beaten Kentucky. Is that something where, uh, I mean, could you sort of, what was your perspective on that sort of moment? And did, did you sort of have any conversations with teammates about that afterward? Or I really or? didn't think about it. You know, obviously 
I played there, but I never really thought I was like, but today I thought like, dang, I guess I never lost Missouri. I mean, I won four times when I was at Kentucky, but you know, to be on this side of it, I want to win for, for the team and we want to get things done and maybe switch the thing and maybe get a winning streak going the other way. It looks like last one will be Jack Sobel from the Man Eater. Go ahead, Jack. Hey, Grant. Uh, having spent time playing for Mark Stoops, uh, from your perspective, what about him has made him the coach that's kind of turned Kentucky around throughout his tenure? Um, I think he does a good job of – he got everybody to buy into his philosophy and all those players really like him as a coach. And like I said, they all just bought into his coaching philosophy and kind of turned that program around. And I think they've been to – well, I went to four straight bowl games there, so they've been on the winning end of a couple seasons. All right, that's Grant McInnes, Uh Played four years at Kentucky, now the punter at Mizzou. And uh, Mitch, I think we can safely say that um, he might be the only one who didn't think about the fact that uh, Kentucky had beaten Missouri four straight times. Um, this is, I, I think, more than any other game or any other matchup. This one really pisses Missouri fans off. I mean, not only because they've lost five straight, but, man, a couple of them have been just painful losses. Yeah, for sure. And, and honestly, the players and, and coaches were more forthright than I expected when we talked to him yesterday and saying that uh, this is this has been a to swallow All right, so we're we're having some issues with uh, Mitch's internet. I will uh, I'll give him a call back here shortly. I, I think it's Mitch's internet. I mean, I'm still on, so I'm assuming it's uh, it's on his side and in his Wi-Fi. So we'll get back to him in just a minute. Um, but yeah, Missouri has lost uh, again five straight to Kentucky. I mean, to put it in perspective, Matty Mock was in his first year as a starter when Missouri last beat Kentucky. Uh, he threw four touchdown passes to Doriel Green Beckham in Lexington. Um, look, now I know we can make a lot of jokes about how long 2020 has seemed like it lasted and all that. But, I mean, Matty Mock to DGB seems like it was 15 years ago right now. And that was the last time that uh, Missouri beat Kentucky. So in that, in that span is uh, there have been a lot of different ways they've gotten beat. Right. Uh, I honestly can't even remember the first one. The second, Oh no, the first one was 21, 14. It was Matty Mock's last start. He got suspended the next day, never started again, never played again for Missouri. The second one was 35, 21 in Columbia, Benny Snell and Boom Williams combined to run for like 380 yards. That's not an exaggeration. Kentucky won. Third one was in Lexington. It was 40-34. to 34. Drew Locke and the offense actually played pretty well. The defense got torched. Missouri was driving to tie the game or maybe win the game. Uh, completed a pass to Jamon Moore somewhere around like the 17-18 yard line. And the ref suddenly got like drop foot. And took about 20 seconds to walk the ball back to the middle of the field. Clock never stopped. Clock ran out. Missouri never had any legitimate shot at a play that would have won the game. Uh, 2018 was probably ultimately the the first time we said, I don't think this is going to work with Barry Odom. They lost 15-14, blew, I think, a 14-10 to 
three lead, something like that, and maybe fourteen nothing. I don't know. In the last five minutes, uh, threw a pass on third and two. Played some crazy ass defense with everybody lined up at the goal line. Terrible pass interference call that gave Kentucky an untimed down. They scored, converted to two point conversion, all that. Last year, Missouri simply never showed up. I mean, there's there's really no other way to put it. They just never showed up in a 29-7 loss in Lexington. So we're going to try to get Mitch back on the phone here. So you guys may hear some buzzing and ringing. And if you do, I apologize. Um, if you don't, that's great. And I've actually figured out what I'm doing. Okay, Mitch is here. Mitch, can you hear us? Me? I can. Hopefully, right. uh better this time how can you all hear me yeah hopefully it works out i don't know we'll uh we'll, we'll get it figured out but um anyway i just ran down the five straight losses to kentucky and uh i was saying that the last time missouri beat kentucky was maddie mock to dgb and it seems like it was 20 years ago yeah i was a freshman in college so uh like i don't know that that may not seem to you all like it's been a long time for me but for me it seems like forever ago um you know what i was saying before i got dropped was i was actually kind of surprised that um, Eli Drinkwitz was so willing to kind of embrace the, the, the losing streak when we talked to him this week. Uh, you know, I would have expected him to give the old coach answer of like, oh, you know, new, new, new staff, new zoo, something like that. But he said like, you know, no, he, you know, he pointed out that no one even on the coaching staff has, has beaten Kentucky while they were at Missouri. And, and uh, that's something that, that, you know, I, I would think gives the players a little extra juice going into this one. So some of you guys have questions and comments about this game. Justin Wirtz wants to know, how important is the start against Kentucky this week, a team that likes to run uh, run the ball and limit possessions? And, look, I think this is a huge point. If Missouri gets down, you know, I think they were down, what, 21-10 to LSU? They get down 21-10 in this game, they're done. This game, I mean, frankly, I think it's going to be in the middle of the third quarter before anyone has 21 points. But the point is, if they get down two scores in the first half, you don't come back against Kentucky down two scores. Yeah, it may have been 21-14 against LSU, but yeah, I mean, you know, we saw too, you know, against Tennessee, who is somewhat similar to Kentucky and that they are built on you know, controlling the ball and run, controlling the clock and running the ball and not putting their quarterback in position to make mistakes. Um, you know, if you, if you fall behind, it's really hard to catch up. I mean, that's, you know, yeah, that's, that's important every game. Um, but it, it is especially important against Kentucky. In fact, I'd say it's really, you know, it comes down to two, three keys against Kentucky, you know, start fast, don't turn the ball over and, and stop the run like and obviously that's easier said than done but that's those are really the big uh the big musts when you're playing Kentucky well and kind of the weird thing about Kentucky so they forced nine turnovers in the last two weeks they've all been interceptions Missouri had five fumbles last week uh never really close to an interception but they couldn't hang on to the ball but bottom line you're not losing the turnover battle for nothing and beating Kentucky I, I mean they just don't they don't screw up Right. Absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's similar to the start fast thing, but you know, when you've got a team like that, that, that can, you know, that can run the ball so well and is, you know, good on defense. I mean, giving them short fields and easy opportunities to score is like spotting another team to scores. Um, and so, yeah, uh, that was, you know, a big thing. Eli Drinkwood said, even before the bye week when he didn't know that Kentucky was going to be the next opponent that, that, you know, a really a, a big impact, this was going to be correcting the turnover margin. I think Mizzou's minus five this season. And frankly, as lucky, it's not worse after a couple of those fumbles looked like they should have been recovered by LSU during the 
last game. So um, they, they definitely uh, they need to get that cleaned up, need to clean up the uh, the punt return issues and uh, and need to try to get a takeaway or two on defense. All right. So Matthew Smith asked a, a really good question that I I could spend a long time talking about this. It says, what's the view of the state of Kentucky football across the league? Um, I think it's really funny because Missouri fans get really mad and I understand why when a Tennessee fan or a Florida fan or somebody says, well, we should never lose to Missouri in football, but Missouri fans turn around and say, well, we should never lose to Kentucky in football. And I, I posted the numbers on Monday in the last, I look, Florida and Georgia are, they're a cut above everybody else in the SEC East right now. Vanderbilt is has some catching up to do. So you've really got four teams that are trying to be number three. Kentucky, Tennessee, South Carolina, Missouri. Over the last five years, and this is not like a you know small sample size. This is five seasons. Uh, this is an entire recruiting class cycle. Kentucky has the best overall record and the best SEC record among those teams. They are 10-5 and five in head-to-head games against those teams. Right now, people don't want to admit it. Kentucky's the third best program in the SEC East, and and I don't really think there's any possible way to dispute it. Yeah, and and it's funny, you know, like fan, among fans, I think the perception is, yeah, they're you know they're they're a basketball school, and you know it's a little bit like I don't want to say gimmicky, but they keep winning with like you know last year, not a real quarterback, they put a wide receiver back there, and two years ago it's like you know they they never threw the ball, uh, they they handed it off to Benny Snell every play, and everyone's like, oh that can't keep working, but then they go and win ten games. Um, so I think you know I understand where that you know perception comes from among fans, but if like you know hearing the coaches talk on the SEC teleconference today or, or any time, you know, Missouri gets ready to play Kentucky. And, and I understand coaches always make their next opponent sound like the New England Patriots, but the, the, the respect for what, for what Mike Stoops has done there is, uh, is real. I mean, he's, um, you know, I think he won what, like two games in each of his first two seasons um, and, and has built that into a, you know, a perennial contender who, you know, it, it beats the teams that, like you said, that are around it or it's supposed to beat. And, you know, it, it broke through and beat Florida, I think, a couple of years ago. I don't think they've beat Georgia yet. But, like, really, when you're Kentucky, that's enough. I mean, that's enough to keep your job for a long time. And that, that was enough at Missouri, too. That's kind of what Gary Pinkle did, which we've talked about on the site before. Yeah. Beat the teams that are around your caliber a little, a little bit worse. All you've got to do is win all the games you should, lose all the games you should, and then win – two-thirds of the games that are kind of toss-ups, and you're 8-4 and four every year. And at Kentucky, at Missouri, at South Carolina, that never gets you fired. At Tennessee, it might get you fired. It shouldn't anymore. But Tennessee fans aren't very realistic, and weird things happen. Um, I, I'm Case says uh, Kentucky's a team every analyst loves to love, one of those teams – Whenever you say they're good, people know you watch the tape. They're a good football team, but they're getting a lot of hype. They are, but like some of it's deserved. I mean, they held a Mike Leach team with zero offensive points. They beat Auburn. Um, now, look, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, they did get beat 42-41 by Ole Miss. So they're not infallible. Uh, but here's the craziest stat to me. Mark Stoops, for everything he's done at Kentucky, and he's done a lot. I mean, he's he's – as successful as anybody at Kentucky since Rich Brooks, who was the Kentucky coach when I was growing up. Um, but if he wins this game this weekend, he is over 500 in his Kentucky career for the first time ever. 
And you know what? Kentucky fans are thrilled by that. I mean, that's that's where they're at, you know, um, and that's where they've been. I, I don't know. I think Bear Bryant was the coach there maybe for a year way back when. But this is this is a program that there's a lot of strength in knowing what you are. And, yeah, it would be great to go out and win the SEC East every year or compete for it every year. But I think Kentucky fans understand that that's not reality. And if they can go seven and five, eight and four every year, they're pretty happy with that. And then every now and then, maybe you do break through and get ten and three with Benny Snell, and, and that's great. Like you want that. But seven wins every year are gonna keep you employed for a long time in Lexington. Yeah, for sure. And and you know you talk about the fans knowing who they are. I think too, like the staff has has succeeded in part because they know what that room is and you know they they're going out there they know what they're looking for in recruits they're looking for you know the midwestern kids who you know have maybe don't have the the athleticism or the, the raw ability to go to a school like ohio or michigan but who you know fit in their system and, and want to you know play grinded out type games and along the line of scrimmage and and uh, and Give them a shot at playing in the SEC at the program that's that's closest to them, which I think is something that you know Missouri can and sort of has um, started to to do a little bit more of. Um, this most recent class with, with the, you know dipping into Indiana and stuff like that and, and recruiting some guys in Iowa. So I, I definitely think uh, I mean yeah I, I I have you know great respect for what what Mark Stoops has done there. I mean I grew up in Kentucky. It, it's you know it's people people don't care you know i mean i don't want to say people don't care about football team they have good fans but no matter what the football team is doing you know john calipari saying something in a press conference or signing a recruit is going to be the biggest news of the day and uh and so you know to build that program up to where it is is, is really impressive yeah and uh another comment from case this almost seems like a game in past years where we think if mizzou wins this game they could put together a really good season if they win this game they could split georgia and florida and win more games and see that's where i i think I, I think I agree with the first part of that. Kentucky and South Carolina are the games you look at. If Missouri can win those games, they can have a really good season. Um, Missouri's problem the last four years, it's real or last five years, is real simple. They're four and eleven against South Carolina, Kentucky, and Tennessee. And now, yes, it's zero and five against Kentucky, but it's still only four and six against Tennessee and South Carolina. So that's not good enough. But the second part, I don't think beating Kentucky means you're necessarily going to beat Georgia or Florida. Like. I look at those as probably losing those games. You know, the rest of right. the games well, on mean, the schedule are swing games. And you got to go, mm-hmm. what, 50-50? Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I kind of just you know mentioned, like, all years it's not smart, but this year especially, you kind of can't try to pull the trains property and say, well, because we looked good in that game, we can then, you know, do X in another game. Um, now, you know, is it possible that, 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 you know, they catch Florida with, you know, 20 guys in quarantine, including maybe some starters and go down there and win. Yes, absolutely. It's possible, but I don't think it would become any more possible because, you know, they, they, you know, beat Kentucky by 10 points or something like that. Right. Uh, I want to take a quick break. Travis recognizing Bob Douglas. So, so uh, appreciate Bob becoming uh, really the kind of almost a co-host at this point, but I want to remind you the five, seven, three report is brought to you by five, seven, three T's go to five, seven, three T's.com. Go to the show on our website. If you go into that story, uh, there's a link for a 10% discount for Power Mizzou subscribers on 573Ts. They've got Chief stuff, Cardinal stuff, 
Columbia, Missouri stuff, Mizzou stuff, Eli Drinkwood stuff, all kinds of stuff. Uh, as the name might suggest, they have a lot of T-shirts. They also actually have sweatshirts and hats and things like that. So appreciate 573Ts for uh, sponsoring us. Appreciate all you guys being here and watching along, uh, your comments, and, and we're trying to catch up. I'm, I'm going kind of out of order here because I wanted to hit on some of the Kentucky stuff. Uh, we're going to move on to, to some more SEC stuff here in a minute. But um, uh, the first thing I want to get to uh, here, because we've got a couple comments about it, and Mitch, you may know more about this than I do. I just – clicked on a thread on the board when I saw it. It says Kevin Coleman, WTF. Did Kevin Coleman is a high-profile receiver out of St. Louis in the 2022 class. I had some things to do. I did a radio interview. I walked my dog. Did I miss that Kevin Coleman committed somewhere? What happened here? Do we know? I think he released a list. Uh, I think he released a list that didn't include Missouri. But okay. I actually, like I, like you, I haven't seen it. I was, I've been, you know, writing and then was eating dinner right before coming on this. We had a Zoom call earlier as well, so I kind of missed it as well. That is my understanding. I just saw a, uh, yeah. A, I, a I mean, I saw a tweet that, that had on the board. Yeah, I saw a tweet that had like 15 teams graphics on it. Maybe that means he's not coming to Missouri. I, I honestly have no idea. I'm kind of. I've covered recruiting long enough that like I'm now at the point, look, if it's more than a top five, I'm not even going to retweet it. Like, I don't, I don't care. Yeah. I mean, good for the kids for sure. to put out, Hey, here's all the offers I have. Here's my top 24, whatever it is. I'm, I'm not uh, disparaging their right to do so. Um, but a top 12 for a 2022 kid at this point, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's out of the question that Missouri could get back into it. And uh, another question, uh, Sir Mufflebuns, is there a problem with recruiting at wide receiver? Constantly missing out on targets and same thing with offensive line. And the, it's fair to be concerned about the recruiting at those positions in this class. No question. Now, I, I don't think it's as easy as saying wide receivers don't want to play here. I mean, look, you just you had to walk on a kid that was at Coffeeville Community College a year ago just lead the team in receptions against LSU. So if you're a receiver, you're probably looking at that thinking, hey, maybe I could do that. Um, I don't think it's about the guy recruiting him, but yeah, offensive line and wide receiver right now in this class, definitely a question mark. Yeah, and and yeah, I can see where those, you know, questions are coming from. Um, I, I my concern level with the wide receiver position is pretty low. Um, you know, they went in to this recruiting cycle, this 2021 recruiting cycle, knowing they only wanted to take one or two guys and, you know, therefore, you know, prioritizing two or three guys and kind of putting everyone else on the back burner. And it didn't work out with those one or two guys. Um, and I think, you know, you, you kind of know when you're doing that, obviously you'd like to land those guys. And then specifically talking here about the, the two guys from East St. Louis, but you, you kind of know, like, you know, maybe they could have gotten another guy committed earlier, but you can probably find someone of the same caliber, you know, later in the cycle or, or, uh, or, you know, in the transfer market, not the caliber of the East St. Louis guys, but the, you know, the other guys you, you maybe didn't prioritize as much early on. And then the 2022 receivers, uh, Luther Burden and Kevin Coleman from St. Louis. Yes, that'd be great. And at a certain point, you do want to start, you know, keeping those high profile players at home, but I'm still not at to the point yet where I'm surprised or willing to, you know, maybe you know, be outraged about a five-star kid picking like, you know, Ohio state or Oklahoma over Missouri. It's just, it's going to happen more times than not. Hey. Offensive lines, 
definitely a little bit of a question mark. You know, only one one commit there, but uh, I do like what I've seen from the group on the field so far. So Marcus Johnson looks like he can coach. Yeah, uh, and while you were talking, uh, Jonah Roberts actually texted me the uh, screenshot of Kevin Coleman's tweet. I was wrong. There are 14 teams on it. So um, I don't know. I guess that means as of today, Missouri is not in the top 14 for Kevin Coleman. I Look, I, I don't mean to blow that off. If you want to stress out about that, go ahead. Um, it's... I don't know, 14 months till these kids sign. I, I think I'm going to pass on, on stressing out about it quite yet. Um, all right, Trey wants to know, who has helped themselves the most in terms of next-level prospects so far? Josh Bledsoe? I I think that's one. I, I Well, I, Mitch, I, I don't know. I want to get your take first because I've got a guy in mind, and, and I want to see what you think. Hmm, all right, I'm quickly running through the roster in my head. Um, I mean, Larry Roundtree has, has looked good. I, I think, you know, probably better than he did last season. Um, I don't know if he's, uh, I still don't know if he's, he's the guy who gets drafted or how much different it is. Bledsoe comes to mind. Um, whew, man, I don't know. Who are you thinking of? Cause I mean, I, Nick Bolton, everyone, you know, knew was going to be a stud and he has been. The guy I have in my head is Tyler Beatty. Um, yeah. he has like that Alabama game. I watched him and then LSU too. I watched him and thought. That's a guy that, like, he doesn't look out of place. And, like, I don't mean – look, Missouri had a lot of guys make plays in that game. Um, but, you know, some of those guys, that, you know, aren't – I mean, it's scheme getting Michael Wilson open, that open, 41 yards down the field. Like, Tyler Beatty was lining up, and, and he can run with those guys on those defenses. And he can – he catches the ball obviously very well out of the backfield. I think he's still Missouri's third leading receiver. Uh, could actually even be second because Damon Hazelton didn't play last week. He he does a nice job running the football. Um, he's look, you're not going to line up in eye formation and hand him the ball on third and one very often. But there's a lot of guys in the NFL that that are making a living doing what Tyler Beatty's doing right now. Yeah, for sure. That's actually that's a good pick. Um, yeah, I mean, like the, the the big thing with him is just can he stand up to the the physicality of it? I mean, he's not a big dude. Um, that said, there is absolutely a role to be had in the NFL for a guy who can you know come in on third down, pick up blitzes, which he's done a nice job this of this year. Franklin's actually mentioned that yesterday. Kind of went out of his way to mention that yesterday, um, and, and you know catch the ball out of the backfield and and you know contribute on special teams. Um, as long as he can, you know, withstand kind of the, the hits and, and he pretty much has so far. I mean, he's missed, I think he missed a couple of games, um, his freshman year, maybe with an injury, if I'm not mistaken, but for the most part, he's, he's been fine. So yeah, actually that's, that's a, that's a good pick. I, and, I don't, you know, see him being like, you know, a first day draft pick or anything, but definitely a guy who could who'd find his way onto a roster and stick around. And I always go back with Tyler to that Purdue game. His freshman year was in West Lafayette where, you know, Missouri seemed like it had the game well in hand. Purdue made this. It was the night that uh, the Purdue quarterback, David Blau, threw for 972,000 yards, I think, was the official <laughs> number. Uh, but, you know, it was like 97-96, and Missouri needed points. And it was the last drive, and the running back was Tyler Beatty. Um, you know, it wasn't Crockett. It wasn't Roundtree. It was Tyler Beatty out there, true freshman, third game of his career. And he made one of the biggest plays of the game, um, and 
He's a guy that look when he came here, I I didn't I, I thought he'd be a good college player, but I I didn't think he'd be an NFL player. But I think he's making himself into one. Uh, Travis wants to know: Are the transfer receivers in the doghouse, or is the new staff just like everyone else and loved what we saw from the other receivers in the LSU game? I, what was your so? I think Kiki Chisholm is still listed technically as like a, a possible co-starter. Damon Hazelton is now listed on, as third string on the depth chart. So what was your reaction when you saw that depth chart on uh, on Tuesday afternoon? Yeah, first of all, I just would say with all depth chart related stuff, it's not gospel, right? Like last year, Missouri put out a depth chart that stayed the same for like the last nine weeks of the season. It didn't include like several position changes. However, um, I think it's fair to wonder if Damon Hazleton is in the doghouse. Uh, the guys that were listed as co-starters were uh, Kiki Chisholm, Toski Dove, Michael Wilson, Boo Smith, Jalen Knox, and Barrett Bannister. Um, certainly, like if you're if you're getting that expansive, uh, you would think the guy who caught nine passes over the first two games and who they went out and got would would maybe get listed on there. Now, does that mean he actually plays less? I don't know. Maybe you know they're trying to send a message, something like that. Um, but at the same time, like I would, if I were the coaches, I would probably, you know, try to ride the hot hands for the most part. Look, the, the receivers were just about flawless against LSU. Um, didn't have a drop, you know, consistently got open. Part of that was, you know, LSU not wanting to cover anyone, but still, I mean, as long as, you know, if they, if you keep seeing that, and I, I would definitely be tempted to, to kind of ride the hot hand because, I mean, you know, yeah, Damon Hazleton, he, he's, he's gotten open a few times. Um, he struggled drops a little bit, but like I haven't seen anything from, from Kiki Chisholm yet that suggests like, oh, you know, this guy just has to be in there every play. So I'm fine with, with going with the guys who have been producing. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Knox is going to start. I don't, I don't think yes, there's any yes. question about that. And then beyond that, hey, we'll see. Um, and I think it I, – I mean, I think, I think Towski Dove clearly – Look, he earned playing time, and I think he earned a start. We'll see. I mean, and coaches love to say it doesn't matter who starts. It matters who finishes. No, it matters to players who starts. It, it Now, look, there can be – if you open up in like a two tight end set and a receiver doesn't play the first play because of that, that's okay. But the guys who play that first drive, that matters to guys. You don't don't kid yourself. It matters. Uh Sir Mufflebun says, uh, how do you think Mizzou should deal with this Kentucky secondary? Um, I, I don't – it seems very obvious, but opposing quarterbacks seem to have had trouble doing it. I think you should throw the ball to guys on your team, first of all, right? I mean, like, and I, I, don't, I don't mean to be too uh, – because part of me does think – what Kentucky's doing has to be unsustainable, right? I mean, you can't rely on a quarterback being as bad as Jared Guarantano was last week every week. Some of those interceptions have to do with scheme and skill, but, man, some of them are just the quarterback was awful. Yeah, I started chuckling right away when you paused before answering that question because I knew you were going to say just don't throw it to them. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's true. Like you know, yes, that getting nine interceptions across two games and having three pick sixes is is absolutely not sustainable. I mean, we saw it with Missouri last season. You know, that defense continued to be good, but during that stretch when they were getting two defensive touchdowns well, a game, like that, that just that to, couldn't. To be, be fair, kept if up. Kale Garrett um, would have been healthy, they may have scored a defensive touchdown every game. <laughs> we can never know. It, right. You can you cannot can't deny prove, that he was on pace. Can't disprove um, a negative. So, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, yeah. I think the biggest thing is just going to be 
for for Connor Basilak, just you know, don't try to do more than than you know you you're comfortable doing, or then don't try to force something that's not there. You know, he did a really good job against LSU. I thought of of being on time with the quick throws and taking easy completions and. He didn't, you know, scramble around a whole lot and try to force throws across his body or into double coverage or anything like that. So it's it's just being smart, I think, and knowing, you know, that that this might not be a super high scoring game. You don't have to, you know, score every time you touch the ball. Right. Yeah. Be okay with punting the football every now and then. Also, I personally would recommend we heard from Grant McKinnis earlier. I personally would recommend if you're throwing a pass, have your quarterback throw it and not your punter. Um, but you know whatever sometimes you catch them off guard justin says how much of an advantage could the bye week be for mu before playing kentucky a lot of bad showings for barry odom when he had time to prepare would love to see that change with drinking like look justin brings up a really good point the craziest thing about barry odom's career here to me was that the more time he had to get his team ready for a game the worse they were i i mean it didn't it went against all logic. And I think I would more often be accused of being probably too pro Barry Odom rather than too anti Barry Odom. But I, every time they had a week off, they were bad. And every time they had a month off, they were absolutely <laughs> awful. But I, I mean, yeah, a buy theoretically, I mean, the only guys we know aren't playing in this game are Kobe Whiteside and Darius Robinson, correct? I mean, other than guys yeah. we know have been out all year. Yeah, correct. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, like, uh, I don't know. The, first of all, the, the Barry Odom thing was amazing. Season openers, bowl games, and off of bye weeks was like. <laughs> I mean, like, even but, the even the wins were like 72 to 41 over Missouri State. Like, it didn't even count. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, that said, I mean, like, does the does the bye week, you know, give Missouri a huge edge in preparing for Kentucky? I mean, probably not because they didn't find out they were playing Kentucky until like Friday night. Um, but uh, getting healthy is important. I mean, they just they played three really physical teams to start the season. Um, and they, they had a few guys in quarantine and, and a few guys hurt, as we saw against LSU. So it can't hurt. Um, and, you know, got a chance to to you know, probably scout that game live uh, on Saturday, which is, I, I suppose, helpful. But yeah, I think I, I, I don't I don't know how, you know, that that plays a massive role or anything like that. Yeah. And uh, Case, going back to what we were talking about earlier, said his point is he thinks you could take momentum from a win in this game and catch Florida sleeping. I mean, it's going to be Florida's first game in three weeks if they do manage to play. I think they'll be ready to go. Now, the question is going to be, who is ready to go and you know who's playing in that game um and i'm not look i'm not saying it's impossible they go down and, and win in gainesville i mean we've already talked about on any given day yeah they could beat florida and they could lose to arkansas or they could lose to mississippi state um i guess my point is georgia you're probably assuming is a loss florida's likely a loss but but not necessarily throw that in the maybe but the point is if you've got that gives you five swing games the rest of the year. Look, if Eli Drinkwitz wins all five of them, like I'll contribute to building the statue. Uh, but yeah. teams of Missouri's ilk, of Kentucky's ilk, of Tennessee's ilk, like they don't win every game that's a toss-up usually. If they do, they have a hell of a season. 
Right. I mean, we already saw that against Tennessee. Um, you know, went into that game saying, oh, you know, if Missouri plays well, maybe. And, and then it really wasn't even competitive. I mean, yeah, I think this this point, you know, was brought up on our message board this week was just, you know, hey, like it, it's a total logjam. You, mm-hmm. you know, things break right for Missouri. Like maybe they could contend in the East. And it's like, you know, maybe they could win a few more games than we were expecting. But to win the East, they'd have to literally, I mean, be almost perfect. They got to win out. Like, you know, yeah. you. Right. You you got to win every single swing game and get every single break. And I just, they're not quite talented enough to do that at this point in, in you know, the drink was tenure. And we talked about this a little bit earlier with the transitive property. By the way, it's the only thing I remember from like high school math. It's if A <laughs> equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. Um, yeah. But it, it never works. But it, the SEC this year has proven it really doesn't work. I mean, you know, just because, yeah, Tennessee destroyed Missouri and Kentucky destroyed Tennessee. That does not mean Kentucky's beating Missouri by 59 points this weekend. Or, you know, I mean, look, I, I mean, Mississippi State beat LSU and then lost to Arkansas the next week. I mean, we don't know what the hell's going to happen in this league. This this league is it's nuts this year. And I think I think college football really is that way, too. And we'll talk a little bit about the SEC stuff in a minute. So as a transition to that, I do want to get in just kind of a general football comment uh, here because um, some of you may know that Mr. Forty here is a Broncos fan and they might play the defending Super Bowl champions this weekend. And Travis wants to know if I have ordered my Le'Veon Bell Chiefs jersey yet. I think, frankly, I might order a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire jersey before that after last weekend. Uh, but Mitch... Um, like, like your guys' chances this weekend, right? Oh, no. I mean, I'm uh, <laughs> certainly not in any sort of a position to, to talk smack or, or, you know, predict a win. Like, if it happens, that's wonderful. I'm not expecting it. Um, I don't know. I mean, you're, yeah, you're, Drew, Drew Locke being he- healthy helps a little bit, I guess, although he wasn't right spectacular at the end of last week. But, like, you don't go into a game, uh, you know, against the Chiefs expecting to win. You're in football purgatory where you're not good enough to contend to win anything, but you're not bad enough to get rewarded for it. Like, dude, Yeah, you, and that's where – if, if you're not going 12-4 and four in the five, NFL, you got to go 2-14. and 14. Yeah. Yeah, it's been – it's actually – I mean, that, that has definitely been a frustrating – things uh it's been ever since the this, this super bowl it's been uh it's been pretty much like five to seven wins every year i would like to actually see college football do that i, I think the sec sec should go all right so if you finish last in the sec you just get to go take a guy from alabama's recruiting class and if you finish 13th <laughs> you get a guy from georgia's recruiting class. They just pick anyone you want and that kid has to go there i think that i think that'd be yeah fun. i, I th- that would be fun. At the very least, at the very least, like maybe tailor the schedule based off the results like the NFL sort of does, where like right. if you were the worst team in the West, you get to play the worst team in the East or something like that. Uh, as it is right now, poor Arkansas just keeps getting thrown, <laughs> thrown in the gauntlet every single year. Right. Yeah. Like actually, if you finish seventh in either division, you actually get to sub Kansas for an SEC <laughs> that counts as a, if you go beat Kansas, that counts as an SEC. We should, we should think of ways to do this because like I, yeah. we're kind of, obviously we're joking, but it is October 21st. And I can tell you right now, the playoff is almost certainly Alabama, Clemson, Ohio state, and Georgia. Like, 
that sucks, man. I mean, we've got seven weeks left in this season, eight weeks. Teams haven't even started playing. And I am 90% sure I know the four playoff teams. Um, That sucks. Yeah, although I will say I'll be interested to see uh, if a two-loss Georgia team could get in over a one-loss Big uh, Big 12 or Pac-12 champion. I, I think it should, but the committee has shown that they love the loss column and they love the conference championships. So I don't know if uh, if that would actually happen. But yes, I, I generally agree with you. I mean, you know, 12 of the 14 teams in the SEC have not much to play for at this right. point um, other than, you know, the the – quick lane bowl or whatever I mean, bowls are going to happen this year. Yeah, I guess Florida still technically does because they could beat Georgia right. and all that. Yeah. So, all right, so one more just random football question before we get to the SEC stuff. Uh, Case wants to know what happened with Albert and the red zone offense last week. So that's that's directed to you. Um, yeah, I mean, he got targeted a lot. Drew Locke still likes him. He just did not catch the ball. Um, they weren't like stone cold drops, but they were passes you want to catch if you have a chance of sticking around in the NFL. Yes, believe if, it at that. if you are a third or a fourth round draft pick, those are passes that can make an impression. And uh, mm -hmm. if they are dropped, they can make a different impression. So uh, once again, appreciate all you guys being here and watching. Uh, pretty good numbers this week hit the like button while you're here we're going to finish up uh, the last 15 minutes or so talking some sec football it's a light schedule this week but hit the like button hit the subscribe button check out 573tees.com go uh go through our site get a 10 percent discount there uh they obviously present this every week so the sec ticker is running across the bottom of the screen and it like it goes really fast because there's not that much there this week. I think there were already a couple of planned, but this is the week the buys were planned to start. And then obviously Florida can't play. Vandy can't play. So Vandy was on a buy anyway, but wouldn't be able to play. So, uh, so there's only three games outside of Mizzou and Kentucky. I don't know, man, Auburn and Ole Miss. I mean, play that 10 times. They both probably win five. Yeah, probably so. I, I think I picked Auburn just solely because Gus Malzahn usually gets people on the brink of firing him and then wins a few games. So I just kind of expect him to do that again. But I uh, would not be surprised at all if Ole Miss wins that. Yeah, I mean, and so did you watch any of Ole Miss Arkansas last week? I did. I watched, uh, yeah, I watched a bit of the second half. I saw, yeah. saw a few of the interceptions. I watched most of it, and I, I mean – First of all, I actually think Matt Corral's a good quarterback. I like him, but yeah, man, that was not his night. But also, like that loss was on Lane Kiffin. He just he refuses to kick a field goal ever. I, apparently, <laughs> he's never gonna do it. And if he does, that's part it of his charm. Yeah, but if he'd done it twice, his team might have actually had a chance to win in the last five minutes. Oh, my attitude towards Lane Kiffin is you don't really bring him there to, like, win games and be a schematic <laughs> genius. You just bring him there to, like, get entertain people, put people in the seats, land some recruits, and, score some points. And, look, he's doing that. Um, no question. And, uh, all right, so so this is good. Uh, Drew is asking uh, how fun. Neil and Jay are, are my buddies that I also do another podcast with, The Greatest Pod in the South, uh, it's their podcast, but I'm on it fairly frequently. And uh, they run the Ole Miss and Auburn boards, and Drew's asking how fun their message boards were last weekend. So, Mitch, I don't know if you do this, but one of the things I like to do is just find the teams that have the worst weekend 
and I like to go read their message boards because it reminds me that other people put up with the same stuff we put up with. And like, I'm not the only one that has to get on every Saturday night and read that everybody should be fired and maybe some people should be executed. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is really quite impressive how sports can make like, you know, pretty rational and or intelligent grown men just like really emotional and want to kill people, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, take their jobs away. But like, yeah, I, 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 uh, I, yeah, I'm not, I've, I've been there after, you know, after a bad loss, you just, you just, you just want something to happen. You want everyone else to be as bad as you do. And I have been on the record many, many times since Missouri joined the SEC is saying Tennessee fans are the most crazy and unreasonable fans in the SEC. I don't know, man. I've gotten to know a little bit more about Auburn fans. Um, they're nuts. Like they're, they're always mad because they're mad if they lose but they're also mad if they win because it means they can't fire their coach. So, like, they're just pissed off 100% of the time. And I yeah. love it. I Like, I love reading our Auburn message board. Yeah, the weird things just happen at Auburn. Like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, the, this whole situation with Malzahn, his whole era, and, and, and you know, yeah, like getting Bruce, Bruce Pearl down there. I don't know. Yeah, it is, a, it is a, an interesting. Like, Tennessee fans, I think, are more – they have more, like, you know, bile towards – you know, opponents and, and other fans and maybe the media right. and whereas Auburn is just like, you know, there's this more directed inward at their <laughs> they own hate school. Themselves. And to yeah. be fair, Auburn has won a national title this century. So yes. Uh, all right. So case wants to know who will be less bad, Matt Corral or Bo Nix. Look, I actually think Matt Corral is a good quarterback. Like, I don't know if he's going to win a million games because I'm not sure how good old miss is, but like, I think Matt Corral has talent. I think Bo Nix is like he's just a guy that people made into much more than a guy because he threw a game-winning touchdown pass with 16 seconds left as his first college start. But if you ask me who I want to quarterback my team, I'm taking Matt Corral between those two. Yes, 100%. I mean, will you know? Does that mean Ole Miss will win? Maybe not, because Auburn's got right. you know more talent around its team, especially on the defense. But yes, uh, if I'm picking, yeah, a quarterback uh, who will be less bad, I, I'm taking Corral there every time. Yeah. So the next game on the SEC schedule, Alabama at Tennessee. Um, Tennessee, not great right now. <laughs> not not feeling. Firing coaches, uh, I saw a tweet that said that coach, the defensive line coach may have gotten fired in the middle of the Kentucky game. Um, which would I hope that's true, seem, and I hope that story gets told. It would seem incredibly on brand for for Tennessee for that to be the case. Um, I don't know. Alabama's going to win this game by many, many, many points. Uh, as many as Nick Saban wants yeah, to win. Yeah, I have nothing there. And, and like, look, one one thing about Alabama that I noticed in that Georgia game, Georgia has the guys to compete with Alabama at every position except one. People want to say Mac Jones is just a, a beneficiary of having great receivers. Dude, Mac Jones is going to be a first round draft pick. That kid threw some beautiful footballs in that game. Yeah, he's he's a, he's been great all season. He threw, he had a couple against Missouri that were you know just perfect throws. That one in the back of the end zone to Jalen Waddle comes to mind. Um, but yeah, I mean like you know, a yes, you absolutely have to have a quarterback right now um, to compete. Um, you know, Georgia showed that. But B, good offense beats good defense pretty much every time right now. 
Um, and and I, I think, I mean, like Alabama is not, they, they've got some deficiencies that are unlike most Alabama teams. Like it was wild to see them jump off sides, you know, late in the first half against Georgia and, and you know, have some Georgia guys running wide open. But I still, I don't know of a defense that can stop their offense. Their offensive line is amazing. Their wide receiver core is the best in the country. And if Mac Jones plays like this, I, I truly, like, I don't think there's a team that can stop them. Your, your only hope is to, you know, score with them and get the ball on the last possession. So Clemson, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We haven't even seen them yet. So last right. SEC game, South Carolina, LSU. Um, I don't know. This is the... Yeah, they're going to play it, and I just – I have zero thoughts about it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think Miles Brennan isn't playing, so that right. would seem to not bode well for LSU. Um, but that's those are that, that's the extent of my thoughts. That, that does bring up – well, I am interested to see if Bo Pelini actually murders someone on the field. But, um, but Miles Brennan played, like, most of that game against Missouri where he threw for 400 yards with, like, a torn abdominal muscle. That – Yes, Seems apparently so. Pretty impressive to me. Yeah. Yeah. Good for him. I mean, he went from like, you know, after the first game, people were, you know, a lot of quite a bit of the anger was at him. Not all. Bo Pelini got his fair share. But, you know, just because he wasn't Joe Burrow and I think he threw a pick or two. But like he's their best player other than Terrence Marshall at this point. Uh, he's He's been really good. The rest of the team, not so much. Yeah, and True brings up a good point. If LSU loses that one, Bo is going to be toast. I I think that's possible. They might fire a $2 million coordinator after week four. Um, that would be – I mean, that is on brand for the SEC. And, and uh, I might yeah, cheer for something. It's just Carolina. about to say extremely SEC of them. <laughs> yeah. All right. So so last thing, and we're going to end it uh, in the SEC part on this. We'll have a couple just kind of closing thoughts on Mizzou, Kentucky. Uh, Case says, I don't think Alabama should have been allowed to have Judy, Ruggs, Smith, and Waddle. How do you even begin to rank them? I mean, so I was thinking about this earlier this week. On his own team last year, Jalen Waddle was the fourth best wide receiver. That's, I mean, that's stupid. That, that I agree. Yeah. That shouldn't happen. I remember, uh, Mitch, I, I don't know if you remember the when we were in Tuscaloosa for the Alabama game. They threw like a little screen pass to Henry Ruggs. And then it was on like their own 16 yard line. And Henry Ruggs was just shot out of a rocket. And like by the 30, there was no chance any Missouri player was catching him. He's the fastest person I've ever seen play football in person, except for maybe Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Yeah. And in that same game, like the fourth play or maybe even like the second play, they threw that bomb over the top to Judy and he was similar. I mean, he outran everybody. That's all it was, was just run straight. Um, yeah. I mean, it was, that, that is an absurd collection of talent. It goes back to our, our plan to, you know, redistribute the wealth a little bit here and yeah. uh vandy good <laughs> like, congrats you're getting an alabama receiver next year yeah i mean vandy should absolutely have jalen waddle this year arkansas should have Devonte smith and then we'd find out how good mac jones was we're remaking the sec on this show every week uh true to answer your question i'm pretty sure bo Pelini makes 2.3 million i could be wrong but i think that's right yeah it's so it's over two i know yeah. that uh, good deal. Travis wants to know when we get a finalized Mizzou basketball schedule. Nobody knows. I mean, I, like, honestly, the season starts theoretically a month from Sunday, and nobody has any idea what the schedule is going to be. 
anything along those lines. And we are going to talk some more basketball on this show as it gets closer and we have a little bit of chance to, to talk to guys and all that. But um, I don't know, Mizzou, Kentucky this weekend. And uh, I don't know, just kind of, I mean, we've got three more days, so we're going to preview the hell out of it. But just for this audience, Mitch, kind of closing thoughts. Yeah, it goes back to it's like it's kind of simple if, if Missouri can uh, turn the ball over stop the run and you know not in their early deficit they can start decently fast you gotta they'll be right there now obviously doing those things is a lot easier said than done I mean that's why Kentucky's beat a lot of teams uh, over the last three or four years is because they run the ball really well and they take the ball away from you but um you know I I, I think that's uh that's good what's going to come down to I, I definitely you know you're a little worried about Missouri's defensive line they've struggled at times especially against Tennessee holding up against the run that'll be an area to watch but uh you know I, I mean certainly a game I could see going either way at this point yeah I would say um the, my closing thought is fool me once you know shame on you fool me twice shame on me fool me five consecutive years and I'm just a straight up moron uh I am done going into this game giving you reasons that Missouri should win this game now look Missouri can win this game for all the reasons Mitch just said Missouri can win this game but I refuse to give Missouri the credit to say they're going to beat Kentucky until they go out and beat Kentucky. Um, you know, this is this is the hurdle. We got to quit talking about how do you catch Florida, how do you catch Georgia. You gotta you gotta establish yourself in front of Tennessee and South Carolina, and you gotta catch Kentucky. And that's Eli Drinkwitz's first mission in these first two to three seasons. Do that, establish yourself as the third best program in this division, and then if you're still here, you can talk about winning the division and catching Georgia and Florida and all that. But for, but for now, all that talk is dumb until you go out and beat Kentucky this weekend and then maybe do it again, I don't know, shocking, I know, twice in a row. Uh, but but we'll see how it goes. So um, we will be back here on this channel at – 1.15 on Saturday afternoon. We'll have the Burger Smokehouse at home tailgate. Mitch is going to check in from the stadium. Uh, I'm trying to line some some different things up for the game watch along because he'll be in the press box. We'll have the post-game show, all that. Already got the Boulevard of the Week picked out. Could be a dangerous Saturday night on YouTube, um, you know, but, but we'll do that. So um, appreciate you guys joining us. 573Ts, go to 573Ts.com. Thanks a lot. Hit like, hit subscribe. Let your friends know we do this every Wednesday night, 7.30, whether Missouri plays a football game or not. Uh, you know, and we usually find out about noon that day if they do. Uh, but we're here 7.30 regardless. So thanks for joining us. We will uh, see you here next week. And uh, plenty of coverage, obviously, on PowerMizzou.com leading up to the game. And um, – I don't know, Mitch, we could do a live show Sunday afternoon for Chiefs Broncos. How do you feel about that? Ooh, probably not. No one probably wants not. to that that doesn't sound good to me. I do think <laughs> you're you're what you said earlier, dangerous Saturday night on YouTube. You should just change the name of the post game show to that. That's not a terrible <laughs> idea. We we can find a sponsor for that. So all right, we will finish the same way we started with a Bob Douglas comment. Wishing Mitch sweet dreams. So uh <laughs> see y'all later. <laughs> Have a good night.